You're listening to Strictly Business Podcast with Lindsay Williams. It's Wednesday, so it's time for Wayne on Wednesday. Wayne McCurry is a portfolio manager at FNB Wealth and Investment in Johannesburg. And Wayne, I had a couple of people that I still know in Johannesburg that were saying there's been load shedding and there's been various outages here and there. Have you experienced that as well? Yes, very much so. Maybe more so than normal. At my garage in Kaya Sands, yes. we had absolutely no power Monday and Tuesday. And that wasn't load shedding. That that was just no power because of cable theft or whatever. Mm. Then at home, yesterday and today, no water because a major water pipe, which has just been fixed about three months ago in Ravonia Road, blew at exactly the same place again. So... I don't know whether there's water when I get home or not. We'll have to see. But unfortunately, this is just, I suppose, a continuation of, well, on the water side, neglect of the system for decades. Yes. And on Eskom, I mean, we've had load shedding for 15 years now. And I know there is an end in sight, and the end in sight isn't Eskom. The end in sight is, you know, private generation of power at a meaningful scale, given the uh, licenses that have been issued. And it, it is meaningful. It might take a year, year and a half, two years for the big companies who have got these licenses to actually produce the electricity. So the answer to electricity is not coming from ESCAP. And, and, and unfortunately, it just shows an absolute incapacity by government and by municipalities and by state-owned enterprises to actually deliver services. And yet the the most ironic thing of all is no one's ever held to account. No, it's not as if someone's going to resign because they haven't uh, fulfilled their obligation uh, in, in the job that they were first appointed yeah, but look, to, if you see what yeah, I mean. Ultimately, yeah, ultimately, you do answer for your actions. Ultimately, you answer for your actions. It might take years, it might take decades, but but ultimately, you do answer for your for your actions. You know, no one no one is completely exempt from from that. I mean, even the biggest dictators in the world ultimately answered for their actions. You know, so it just might take time. And I'm not for a moment saying that we're in a dictatorship. But the point is, ultimately, everyone answers for their actions. What is the, I, I firmly believe in that. What is the difference between a dictatorship and a political monop, a monop, monopoly, which is what with the ANC has? It has a political monopoly, and I've always gone on about this. There's no competition. And when there's no competition, people get slack. And you know that, Wayne. Oh, of course, yes. Yeah. No, 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 totally. If there's no pressure on you, you know, why? Why try hard? Why? Why do things correctly? But that is changing. I mean, the ANC is no longer the, the 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 huge party it used to be. I mean, they've been declining at the polls now consistently for a sustained period. And what is even, I think, even sadder for South Africa is that, you know, given what the ANC has got up to, state capture and and, and all of the inability to provide electricity, water, services. And if we think it's bad where we live, you just go into the townships. I mean, uh, uh, the roads, it's chaos. I, you, you, you cannot believe the actual state of the infrastructure and service delivery. 
and we've spoken a few times about Transnet, I mean, this should be a gift to the opposition. It should almost be a shooing, you know, because they're, 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 the ANC has made so many faults, and yet the, the opposition, and in particular the DA, somehow can't capitalize on this. It, it, it's, truly, it's, 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 it's truly quite strange. I mean, in other countries, if the government had have got up to what our government got up to, yeah. I mean, they would have been out of power a long time ago. Truly, they would have been. Yeah, and yeah. I mean, I will also state, also will also state quite clearly that the new, the new leadership of the ANC is truly trying to turn the ship around, even though sometimes you wonder why it's taking so long. Thank you. And I think the whole country is truly grateful that the previous administration of the ANC is no longer in in charge, and yet I heard the head of the NPA, the prosecuting authorities. You know, saying, you know, that the time of impunity is over and we're coming to get you and no one's exempt. But where are the prosecutions? I mean, that's also taken, you know, the new the new government has been in for four years. You know, not six months. So, you know, you just wonder the the absolute so it just seems an inability to do anything, even if it's the right thing. Is it a legacy issue because that, that, you can't tread on toes because there is still a generation <clears> that um, was part of the, the, the struggle, as, as it's called? Is it a legacy issue? And once a, a new generation comes forth, then people will say, OK, well, that's all in the past now. And we recognise that. Very different. But, look, but, but on the other hand, look, now we must look forward instead of looking back. Putting aside, yeah, yeah, putting, putting aside... In total, the, the state capture years and the, you know, the absolute terrible governance that happened during those years, and unfortunately, in some instances, the terrible governance that's still carrying on now, the true primary problem with the way the ANC has managed the country is this development state uh, ideology. Let's call it socialist ideology, where the government must control all the main levers of power. They must control Eskom. I mean, how long has it taken for Eskom to issue out these other licenses? We've been, as I said, been load shedding for 15 years. They must control the ports. They must control Transnet. You know, there's this, this hands on the lever of power. And it's all for a good intention. I mean, it's all to promote, you know, to lift up the poor, to provide jobs. But don't they realize that? actually can't do it because it's been, I mean, we've got 50% unemployment if you use the wide definition. I mean, can't you see that you've been trying this for 30 odd years, for almost for 30 years, yeah? You've been doing this for 30 years and it hasn't worked. Surely you would say, well, now it's time to try something different and involve the private sector because you almost get the, you almost get the idea that somehow the private sector, private capital, and it's certainly under Zuma, you know, it was, you know, white, white monopoly capital mm. is regarded as the enemy. I mean, capital, capitalism can't be left unconstrained because that is also a terrible thing because people will just pursue the profit motive above anything else. But you, you can't be viewed as the enemy, as, as someone that's not yet that can't provide services and, and can't do good for the country and that the government must do it. 
because it, it actually hasn't worked. Without the private sector, Wayne, there is no there is no hope because there is nothing. On, on the one on, on the one hand, you've got these jobs vacancies that need to be filled. I mean, okay, they're not official jobs vacancies, but on the other hand, Transnet and um, Portnet and all the other uh, state-owned enterprises need skilled people. There are no skilled people available. They have to bring in yeah. people from the private sector or people from overseas. But if a person from overseas wants to come to South Africa, it takes three to six months to get a visa, to get a work permit. Yeah. So it, it, it's, it's broken from the bottom up. Yeah, and also, I mean, this whole cadre redeployment where you put people in charge of things that literally don't know anything about how to run it. No, exactly. You know, so, but, but yes, so, so I said, ultimately, you know, if the ANC doesn't renew itself, which, which I truly believe they are trying very, very hard to do, but because of the factionalism, and ultimately they are politicians, you know, you know, they'll preserve, they'll, they'll, preserve themselves first, you know, almost above all else. Well, exactly. So That's I truly about, think that, that, they are trying hard. They are trying hard to renew themselves, but no, you're I, the, I disagree. The, the pace. I disagree. You just said they want to preserve themselves. They want to look after themselves. They don't want to look after the population. Yeah, but if but, they don't, but if they don't, if they don't renew themselves, there's a very real chance they won't be in power in the next I don't know, decade, five years, ten years, or ever long. No, so to actually They've got to renew themselves in the relatively short space of time if they want to retain power. And ultimately, this, ultimately, it boils down to job creation. I mean, at the end of the day, that is the true underlying problem in South Africa. And how do you get below 50%? I mean, even 20% would be acceptable, which sounds, which sounds quite extraordinary. I mean, we, you should yeah. be looking at 10% maybe. Uh, but it, it, it's astonishing that almost half the population, de depending on what measure you listen to, or yeah. half the people, I mean, if you walk down the street, for example, it doesn't matter whether you're in Santon or in Kailicha, if you walk down the street, 50% of the people, half the people that you walk past don't have a job. It's extraordinary. Yeah. But look, I, I, I had a discussion yesterday with, with, with someone and, it, and, and their argument was, and it's not, to, it's not to mitigate anything. I mean, this is a total unmitigated disaster. But they said a lot of people actually eke out a living in the informal sector. Yes. That's not captured in that 50% number. Quite right. That's only the formal employment because you can't, you can survive on the grants, but you can't live on the grants. I remember Wayne, you know, you, you've got to be, you've got to be supplementing your income somehow. Yeah. And, and that's why the, the unemployment figures are flawed. They really are flawed. But uh, when I used to live in Cape Town and I would fly in uh, to, to Cape Town International Airport, and the roads would be jammed. So I thought, well, okay, I'm going to take a dash into uh, and go via the back streets, which I knew quite well in Kailicha. And yeah. you drive along and there are stalls everywhere, people selling sweets yes. and knickknacks and, and things like that, barber shops on the side of the road. And I thought to yeah, myself, fixing well, cars and making clothes. Exactly. Then. This is an un the informal economy, which is cash-based only, and they don't get captured the by the economy, government's yeah. statistics. 
So there is an informal economy, which maybe reduces the 50% that you've, you've been talking about. But I want to ask you about something else, Wayne. You just said you didn't have water. Can you imagine yeah. not having water and your wife or your partner or whatever having to walk to a tap, which is, I don't know. Walk to the tanker. Yeah, and, and, yeah. Get, and get that water. And that's not just for two days. That's for every day. How would you feel about yeah, that? No, it's, it's a disgrace. I mean, I, I, I actually went, I had to, the internet was down because of power issues, yeah. Mm. And I had to go to the Cosmo City Mall which is not a small mall. It's a, it's, it's a big mall. It's a, it's a proper mall to go and get a scan done and send off, send off a photocopy, whatever, something I had to sign. Yeah. And the road leading into the mall is virtually, it's a municipal road, it's not the mall, not the mall's road, is virtually impossible. Because of potholes. I mean, we, 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 moan, we moan about potholes there. It's a, it's a canyon. You actually can't drive through it. You've got to like put off on the pavement and, you know, so you just, you just look at this and you say, oh, this is, this is, this is actually terrible. I mean, yeah, yeah, we moan with there's one pothole, there's two potholes, you know, in the, in the, in the areas that, that I normally frequent, but you go, you go into the townships. I mean, the the state of the infrastructure is truly and totally, utterly shot. It's way worse than in the commercial areas, in the commuter areas. So where do you start? Do you start with infrastructure? Do you, do you start with education? Do you uh, start with benefits? I mean, th there are so many different things. You start things. with management. You start with management. And that you start starts, with that starts the right at the top with Mr. Ramaphosa. Right Mr. Ramaphosa is, yes. I mean, he's, he comes across, he's very suave and he's a, he's a billionaire. Let's face it, he's a billionaire. But he's not, do, I'm sorry, but he's not doing his job. And his carders and his cabinet are not doing their jobs. I was speaking to somebody with whom you're quite familiar the other day. And he said that he was uh, going for a sandwich at lunchtime and three black... Which he always does. Three, three black tinted um, European SUVs or four by fours came along, and um, yeah, a cabinet minister whom he recognised, but he wouldn't tell me who it was, uh, got out of one, and a very attractive woman got out of another one, and they went into the uh, the restaurant, and that's fine, that's great, but I know who was paying for that, and it certainly wasn't. Um, it, it certainly wasn't the person that is in the Eastern Cape that is that hasn't got any water or electricity? Well, look, I, I, I can tell you one thing that has changed. The blue light cavalcade with the state president came down uh, one of the main roads near where I live the other day. Yeah. Now, one thing has changed. They didn't literally chase the cars off the road in front of the blue light brigade like under ex-president Zuma, because I saw that a few times. They literally chased the cars off the road. I remember that. So that's changed. It's, that's the three things have changed. That's changed. The second thing is the size of the cavalcade is a, a third of what Zuma had, literally a third of that. And even though they were going through the, the traffic police ahead of them had blocked off the intersections to let them go through the robots and that, 
but they were sticking to the speed limit. I mean, I remember being chased off the highway by the Zuma cavalcade going at 190, 200 k's an hour when they came past you. You know, so, yeah, uh, I, I personally, this whole business of the blue light being allowed to go through red robots and not obey the rules, I just think it's very bad PR. Well, spending money that, I just we, think that, that just South bad, Africa doesn't PR. have, actually. But uh, that's another. Anyway, let's let's talk about the markets now. Yeah, let's change uh, subjects. Yeah, exactly. Because I'm starting to rant now, and I get even though I'm living elsewhere, I still have a great affection for South Africa, and I I do follow the fortunes or misfortunes of the company uh, country very very closely. Um, Wayne, um, here we here we are going into the Easter weekend, and also it's probably a two or three week period where it's all sort of fragmented because of the number of public yes, holidays, holidays. There are. so yes yeah, so, so most people are probably or some people in the financial services industry will be uh, going off on holiday and taking long weekends yes. exactly how do you look let's go to may the 3rd when the market opens again in south africa because may the 2nd is a public holiday because may the 1st is a sunday first what do you sunday, look, yeah. what are you looking forward to now because that'll be four months into 2022 for goodness sake yeah, look, at the end of the day, the public holidays and that don't make much of an effect on the market. Our market's a global market. The overwhelming majority of the trade that goes through our market is global trade. It's overseas investors. The, the impact of the South African investor and the South African pension fund industry, that is relatively small. Yeah. I mean, it certainly was the case 20 years ago that over this time period, you know, the market volumes dropped. You know, the old place went to sleep, essentially. It was a bit like December. That's not the case anymore. It's a proper global market. There's still huge volumes. So our, you know, our non-Easter weekend holidays don't have that big an impact on the actual volume. Obviously, our market closes. But I don't think the market enters a sleepy period anymore. Okay, so nothing's going to change. We're at the mercy of the international markets, interest rates, inflation. And, and it's the US Ukraine. inflation, that's all that matters. That's the only game in time. Yeah. You get that one right, you'll be okay as an investor. You get that one wrong, you could come off distinctly second. 8.5% CPI in the United States yesterday, this morning in the United Kingdom, 7% yeah. increase year on year in CPI inflation. And I know what you're going to say. You're going to say, well, in a year's time, uh, because you can't, the, the, the pace of, for example, energy prices cannot keep up. So therefore, we'll go down to 2.5%, 3%. I still disagree with you on that one, but uh, we'll, see who, we'll see who wins in a year's time, yeah. Wayne. What else I'm going to say to you? Uh, no, I don't want to talk about specific stocks. I want to talk about the Easter holiday, which is coming up. It's not like Christmas or Thanksgiving in America or other holidays. Uh, what do you do for Easter when it comes to cooking? Let's talk food now. No, look, I will be honest, nothing special whatsoever. I have got my normal Sunday excursion to my favorite restaurant that that's happening. And there I will have a nice Sunday roast as I do every Sunday. So that's not different. But yes. my little excursion is I'm going to uh, Paris in the free state for, a, for, a, for, for, for one night. And there I go to a restaurant called the Hoi Paloi. Hoi Paloi, okay. 
Roy Pilloy, the commoners. Yes. Uh, and it is a fantastic restaurant. It, it is done above an above a uh, antique shop, and the whole inside is quite. I hate the word, but it's quite eclectic taste in in inside the place. There's every every chair at every table is different. Every table is different. That they got old antiques inside the actual restaurant where you work, hanging from the ceiling and on the walls and old display cabinets and old tea sets and old oil cans. It's, it's, it's really a, a lovely place. And the one thing that's nice about it, they have got the most extensive menu. I mean, literally there must be 60 menu items on their menu yes. and everything's always available. You can order whatever you want to. They say we got it. I mean, you can go and get a baked Alaska. They'll do it for you. It's on the menu. They'll do it. They'll do an ice cream cake for you for your pudding for the whole table. If it's on the menu, it's there. And maybe the best thing that they actually do there is a Turkish delight milkshake. And I normally have that for pudding. That is truly delicious. Yeah, it's nice and thick. And I like Turkish delight. Yeah, I like the cheap Turkish delight. I don't like the real imported Turkish delight from Turkey. I like the, the cheap ones probably made with synthetic ingredients, but it's got that taste of Turkish delight that I like. And it, it, it truly is fantastic. In fact, one of my great tragedies in life, other than the salt and pepper calamari and the <laughs> crunchy peanut butter ice cream from Woolworths, was when Fry's Turkish delight Went off the market here in South that? Africa. It used to be in that sort of um, um, that like purple. Thing. It used to be in that purple wrapper, which was quite um, shiny. Do you remember? Yeah. And I used to eat yes, that I as well as, well as a child in the United Kingdom. It's I used delicious. to love it. And now you, and now you can get them, but they're imported and they are very expensive. It's about forty rand for that little. Treat. Oh, and anyway, Wayne, sugar is your enemy at your age. I just want to talk to you about uh, being a creature of habit because you go to the same place every Sunday. You go to the Hoi Polloi in every wherever Sunday. it is. Yeah, yeah so you be, you've become a creature of habit. I am about to, I think anyway, embark on a traveling expedition. I haven't been on an aeroplane for three years now. I've been on trains, which I love, uh, but I'm thinking of going on a plane to Barcelona. I'm thinking of it. It hasn't been confirmed yet. Barcelona is nice. Have you been there before? Yeah, it's fantastic. It is a beautiful place. Uh, I'm going there it is for truly a a, one, one of the most unique cities in the world. It's incredible. And what's more incredible about it is that the fact that it has a, the, one of the finest football teams, probably the biggest football team in the world. So I'm going to a football match, I think. But the other Ooh, thing is nice. that there's a, there's a restaurant there called El Chapanet, which is very in a, in a tiny little alley next to the Picasso Museum. The Ramblas. Uh, no, 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 no. Way away from there. It's in the Gothic area. Is it not area. in the Ramblas? No, it's, it's in the Gothic okay. area. It's around about a 10-minute walk from the La Ramblas. But I go there. It opens at 12 o'clock every day. And I get there at about quarter to 12 and I stand there. And it's got those shutters, you know, the, those metal shutters. And uh, around yeah. about 5 to 12, the chaps will come along, lift up the shutters, in we go. And I turn an immediate left and sit in the corner and I can see the whole bar and the whole restaurant. And people fill up. And it's all locals. It's all Spanish people. And I will have 
the green peppers, the padron peppers, uh, the white anchovies, the Spanish omelet, the squid with lentils, and then I'll sit down and say, actually, you know, I want some more, a tomato salad and all that sort of thing, because I'm a creature of habit. They can tell me as much as they like about them, the best tapas restaurants in Barcelona, but I will all go, always go to uh, El Champagnet. And I'm, you know, that's what happens when you get old, Wayne. Yeah, no, it is. I get you. Now, look, I've I've been to Barcelona twice, and I, I've been to the Gothic area. But as far as eating was concerned, I didn't stray far off the 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 La, La Rambla. So I went to the quayside ones, to the dock, and I had a very nice meal there. Yes. But the Spanish people know how to do the two things. I really enjoyed there. They know how to do steak. They know steak well. They give you very nice steaks there. And the other one was best paella I've ever had in my life. Yeah. Oh, gosh, no, the, the, the food's good. And if I mean, I was there, it was interesting. The first time I went there, I went, it was a business trip. Um, there was a huge conference on, like a five-day conference in the big conference center. And on the second day of the conference, 9-11 happened. Oh, and wow. I was actually stranded in Barcelona for about a week because there were no fights. <laughs> Fantastic. No. Best place to be stranded in. Okay, Wayne, thank you very much. Have a wonderful Easter. Uh, are you going to do the egg hunt? Are you going to put some eggs in your garden so your partner can go out in the morning and, and hunt for them? Uh, no, we'll just char them. Okay. We'll just keep them in the cupboard and char them. Exactly. Wayne McCurry is a portfolio manager at FMV Wealth and Investment, and that was Wayne on Wednesday. The views and opinions expressed in these podcasts are those of Lindsay Williams and various contributors and do not reflect the policy, position, or opinion of any other agency, organization, employer, or company associated with strictlybusinesspodcast.com. Assumptions made on the analyses are not reflective of the position of any other entity other than the speaker or the author. And since we are critically thinking human beings, these views are always subject to change, revision, and rethinking at any time. Please do not hold us to them in perpetuity.